Hello, everybody. Welcome back again to another episode of Basement Banter. This week, I'm joined by Matt again. You. I know uh, you guys are probably thinking, Matt, third time in a row. But guess what? It's football. It's football playoffs. You don't get football for another couple of months. You don't like half a year after this. So be grateful that we're going this in depth into the football uh, playoffs, even though we haven't been completely accurate in our, our picks week in and week out. Not at all. But uh, still have that insight. And you also have another episode coming uh, either. So for for you tomorrow. Tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, I'll put a uh, I'll put a poll up on uh, on the Instagram page, Basement Banter Official. If you don't follow it already, go follow it. I will post a poll tomorrow or today at some point as you're listening to this. Check your uh, Instagram. Maybe I posted it already. Uh, so obviously, last week was a, a pretty big shakeup once again in uh, football. But I would like to start off with the college football uh, national championship. Something that uh, a lot of people were kind of going back and forth about because uh, you you weren't really sure what you were going to get with Clemson because Clemson's playing the uh, chimney sweeps and the boys and girls club of uh, of Charleston when uh, <laughs> during the regular season. So people weren't really sure about Clemson, but what they were sure of was LSU, who had beaten five of the top eight teams in the country. Um, I mean, they won the they beat the uh, SEC East champions or the sec west i think right or east uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what a, they beat Whatever. obviously they they were the east other georgia champion. uh they beat georgia uh then they beat the big 12 champ they beat uh i think they beat someone else somewhere they beat a few big teams in there oh they beat everyone they, they beat, beat everybody they beat Bama, texas georgia obviously oklahoma and then clemson too Texas A&M in there like they beat up on everyone all year and, and uh, Auburn too uh, yeah most games weren't really that close obviously you'd expect a close game with Alabama but otherwise they completely disgraced the last three games of their season they they completely washed teams that were all in the top like top five at some point during the year blew out Georgia who was in the playoffs up until that smackdown uh, they destroyed Oklahoma, who looks like they did not belong there at all. And then uh, Clemson, obviously, the other night. Uh, obviously, it showed that uh, Clem or LSU was the more well-rounded team. Uh, showed Joe Burrow definitely a first overall pick. Solidified that during the game. 400-plus yards, plus four touchdowns. No bad mistakes. If there was any mistakes at all, he made during the game, and just a, a playmaker that is probably going to haunt the Baltimore Ravens the next couple years if they don't haunt themselves. <laughs> yeah, though uh, I mean he's going first. I think he cemented his first round status. I mean not first round, first pick status. Uh, he looked great. He did have and he did uh, battle through adversity too, which we haven't seen him do that much this year as they've been such a wagon offensively we saw um, they got down early 17-7 they were pinned back in their own kind of half in the field uh, the whole really first quarter and he almost threw a pick early in the game uh even later in the game when Clemson came out and had that first touchdown after LSU in the second half went three and out um and then Clemson made it 28-25 it looked as though Clemson was going to make a run here and steal this game but Joe Burrow just 
kept doing his thing and aired it out in the second half and probably the best college season of all time at the quarterback position I've ever seen. That's what uh, I was having a debate with my friends the other day. My one friend asked if Joe Burrow was the best college quarterback of all time. I wouldn't say he was the best college quarterback of all time just because we only really got one season with him in his element. Last year they didn't really have the the coordinator pieces together. Um, But this year he looked fantastic and uh, he broke about just about every single record there was to break uh and it, i think like by a considerable amount he threw over he threw close to 6000 yards he threw like 500 600 5600 something over or he threw i think over 60 touchdowns only six interceptions so he had like a 10 to 1 <laughs> Touchdown yeah. interception ratio. And it's not like he was playing the cupcake ACC right. or Big Twelve where they don't even play defense. He was in the SEC yeah. playing against top recruits and for, uh, future first round draft picks in the NFL. Yeah, not, he's not playing in the Sun Belt. He's playing yeah. in in the best uh, best conference in all of sports in the SEC. Uh, but yeah, great season. Uh, obviously, at the end, all of the old uh, alumnus come out of the woodworks. Odell Beckham Jr. making an idiot of himself, handing, <laughs> yeah. just causing LSU the biggest headache ever. Handing out money, they say that it was fake money. Joe Burrow was on part of my take uh, yesterday morning for you guys, and he claimed that it was uh, he claimed it was real money. Since he's no longer a student athlete, he could say it. So, but that's still, I'm sure he wasn't going around asking kids, hey, are you eligible next year? Yeah. And now he just caused a whole thunderstorm or a uh, shit storm for LSU, the AD. Uh, and also, I don't, I, we were just talking about this before we started. Uh, the LSU was filming Ed Odron give a, a good speech to the whole team at the end of the season. And Odell just begging for that spotlight interrupts the middle of his speech and starts <laughs> screaming he's probably he looks drunk like a drunken idiot <laughs> during it but wild and about half of that team's going to be starting in the nfl next year yeah i think they're all coming out the announcements yesterday yeah. and today are just coming in and they're all like uh, nfl ready oh already. yeah that i mean there's they were stacked they're a good team and even clemson's gonna have guys come out unfortunately lawrence can't come out he looks ready to go too but uh, we'll see the sweepstakes next year for him. It's just crazy to me that the sweepstakes was for Tua this year, and then all of a sudden Joe Burrow comes out of nowhere, and now he's going to be the first pick most likely. And if he's not the first pick, uh, they're going to get a lot for him. They're going to get a lot of picks in return. Is there any teams that are interested in trading up yet? I'm sure the way he's looked all year, I'm sure there's going to be teams that who need a quarterback are going to consider trading up. I just don't think there's anything in the world that you could give Cincinnati. Cincinnati's desperate for a quarterback. Andy Dalton hasn't done it for them the past few years. And he has, like when he makes it to the playoffs, he shows that he can't really play in those big games. Uh, their quarterback, they they drafted last year was not an NFL quarterback, maybe not even an <laughs> NFL backup quarterback. Yeah, no. Um, so you see, there's this kid from. So now you see, there's a kid from Ohio who's going to be the first overall pick, and broke about every record in college football, and just the marketing for that would be outstanding. Would get fans back into the stadium. I don't know what you could possibly give up for. 
You'd have to give up your like first round draft pick for the next like, th- like be, five years. It would be a lot because he's he. I think he's a sure thing. He's like the real deal. You know, there's sometimes there's these quarterbacks from these smaller schools that people take a chance on and think that they have the intangibles, the the hands, the height, uh, and the throwing motion that teams look for. But Joe Burrow has the intangibles and the tangibles. He's a big dude, could throw the ball. Uh, was putting it in a bucket. He had three touchdowns that were on the money the other night. That were if you go back oh, and yeah. watch the highlights and of those games, and even one drop pass that was on the money. There was too. A, a touchdown to ice the game. He put it. He hit the guy literally on his chest from like over the shoulder catch. Hit him in the chest and he dropped it. And that guy, he get he, that guy had like two hundred yards receiving or something during the game. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, they. You have to take him as Cincinnati. There's nothing that someone could give you unless it's a starting quarterback along with, like, another, like, with the first – with you need – I think you, the what I'm picturing now is, like, a team like uh, either Tampa Bay or uh, Carolina trying to trade up for him. I think Carolina would have to give the Bengals Cam Newton for starters. Then you would have to throw in the first-round pick this year, th- first-round pick next year. And maybe some other stuff too, because I don't. I mean, I just don't think yeah, there is anything. I mean, it would have to be a team like I don't know if Miami's actually considering it, but it would have to be a team like that where or Oakland where they have a bunch of picks and uh, they can kind of make that deal with picks that they have on hand. Never mind a whole bunch of future picks. But uh, I mean, one more thing on this game that surprised me is both Burrow and Lawrence. And then they showed it throughout this playoffs. They can really run too. Uh, yes. They're pretty mobile and athletic quarterbacks, which is the kind of quarterbacks we've seen progress into the NFL as we're fading out of guys like Tom Brady and Eli Manning. Guys who are just strictly pocket guys are just not going to get it done as much anymore. And uh, you got to be more athletic in the NFL than you've ever been at the quarterback position. So I think he's going to be a perfect fit wherever he goes. Right. As long as he gets the right coaching. I, that's the one thing well, about Cincinnati. is not, It's definitely not as stacked as that LSU team comparative to the NFL. Yeah, so uh, touching on NFL coaching hirings just while we're in the, uh, the subject of Joe Burrow and finding the right pieces, his passing coordinator, Joe Brady, obviously was going to be the hottest commodity going into the uh, – or after this college season was over and he's already snatched up he's going to carolina to coach with matt rule so that's another thing that i was going to say maybe that but not the thing is is that you can't you'd be able to persuade joe or uh, joe burrow on the the idea of going to carol getting drafted to carolina the problem is you can't convince cincinnati hey you know his his uh, college coaches at uh, carolina now but maybe maybe they have something in the works already, and that's why they went out and got him. Yeah, I, he was a hot guy anyways. Even uh, when people were doing interviews, the D.C. for uh, Baltimore was potentially pairing himself up with Joe Brady as a package deal if he were to be hired. So he was going to go somewhere. It was only a matter of time before an NFL team took another shot at him. Uh, he's previously on the Saints, so he does have NFL experience. Obviously not OC experience, but... He's he's gonna be ready to go, and and I'm I'm gonna be fascinated to see what he can do at the NFL level. Right. I, I think it's a nice shot by Matt Rule. I mean, he's got seven year contract, so why not take your first shot with Joe Brady and see how he does for the next three years? Yeah, because the the uh, Panthers basically just said, all right, you're our guy for the next almost decade. So you and he has, I think, control over 
everything, right? Didn't yeah, they give think, him, or uh, at least more control than right than he would at other places. <laughs> the New York Giants, uh, <laughs> um, or the Jets, <laughs> exactly. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, so I, I think I think the Panthers organization's in a really good spot now because it was Joe Brady's offense. The uh, the other guy whose name escapes me right now, um, he was calling the plays, but it was Joe Brady's offense that he brought with him to LSU. Yeah, he so. brought with him that that dynamic passing that LSU really hasn't been used to. I mean, they're used to running the football. We think of Leonard Fournette and a whole line of running backs that they have there. We never seen LSU air it out like this, and that was a uh, testament to what Joe Brady's been doing there. Yeah, because uh, in his short stint there, only yeah, a year. Because when was the last time uh, LSU had a, a decent quarterback? Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell, Russell. <laughs> like all those years ago. So. Mettenberger wasn't really that good. Though. No, no, no. So, yeah. Uh, and then the other hiring I was going to talk about since we're on the subject is uh, I, the uh, the Browns hired the offensive coordinator from um, Stefanski. <laughs> Stefanski from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we were talking about this before we went on, and Matt believes this is a pretty good hire because of his offensive scheme that he runs in. Uh, Minnesota, which I kind of agree with now that he's brought in these points uh, forward. Uh, I think that the real piece that uh, people kind of overlook because of all of the personalities you have at the Browns is Nick Chubb's production. He was one of the top five rushers in the NFL this past season and looked great whenever you watch him on TV. And Stefanski said, he came out and said, he said, I will uh, like... I would love our uh, personalities are welcome productions mandatory, which is, <laughs> I think kind of, you see uh, all of these people in the Browns, you see Baker Mayfield has more commercials for state farm than he does uh, wins with the Browns. Uh, Odell had a very bad season and was, always teasing that maybe he doesn't want to be there. Jarvis Landry was kind of giving out bad vibes. A lot of big personalities on that team. Meanwhile, Nick Chubb, who barely says anything, had one of the best seasons out of any running back in the NFL this year. So I think that was I think that'll be good. This is a guy who is battle tested and actually has the uh the resume. You know, uh we had Freddie Kitchens, I believe, was hired way too early. And didn't really have enough of a opportunity to settle into that offensive coordinator role. He went from a quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator yeah. all of a sudden and midseason. Midseason, and then all of a sudden was this big, uh, this big hire for them. And I mean, he they had they were a very undisciplined team too that cost them a lot of games, a lot of penalties. Uh, they lost their best pass rusher like three fourths of the way through the season. So he kind of got dealt a bad hand with that too. It was kind of rushed into the job, so I feel bad for him. I'm sure he'll land somewhere. Uh, but Stefanski has been – Minnesota's been running all over the place the past few seasons. So I'm, uh, I think they'll do decently, and I think it'll help Baker Mayfield as well because there'll be less pressure on him throwing the ball, and it'll be more of a run-first offense, and then that'll open up uh, opportunities for the likes of Odell uh, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, and will make Baker Mayfield better and will make him more comfortable and have easier reads as teams will be trying to stop Nick Chubb more than Baker Mayfield, too. Obviously, when you key on him, 
he has all these interceptions and turnovers that didn't look great this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's a decent hire. I'm not sure why everyone passed up on Eric Bannamy. I'm sure he's going to get a job next year from Kansas City. Um, but I guess this was a decent hire. It, it makes sense, though, because Mayfield isn't Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, a uh, younger version of Brady. He is not going to carry the team. So why not put him in a position to succeed by using that run game like Dalvin Cook was used in Minnesota? And you have just as good as a back um, in Nick Chubb. If so, not better. So it's kind of like a similar situation, except I do think um, they're going to have to make some kind of moves to get that line short up because that offensive line is not very good in Cleveland. And without that, it's going to be tough to pass. And to be honest, I don't know if OBJ is going to be in Cleveland by the time we kick off next September. Yeah, uh, something to watch. I just, yeah, if they're going to switch their offense, I can't see him shutting up and being okay with it. I agree, and I don't think Stefanski will be someone that will take all of the bullshit. As someone who came from a Mike Zimmer team, I think if he starts running his mouth, he's just going to tell him, you know what, we don't need you, and they'll deal with it with Jarvis Landry and uh, Antonio Callaway, who are still both great receivers, so... I mean, they'll probably be able to do it with or without him, and Odell will be happy probably because he'll be out of Cleveland. Uh, all right. We'll touch on last week a little bit. Uh, the uh, 49ers-Vikings game went, as we said. Uh, Vikings were kind of competitive throughout the first couple uh, quarters, and then uh, 49ers ended up pulling away at the end. Um, and then uh, the other NFC game, the uh, a little shock to us. We we both were pretty sure the Seahawks were gonna win, but as I said, uh, the run game was their I think their ultimate demise because they could have they let people sit back more, and then even with just a couple of the the uh, people on the offense or on the defensive line, they were able to get after Russell Wilson, able to get after uh, their running backs. So yeah, I mean they had no their. Like uh, we were both saying, uh, those two teams were both pretty much fraud teams, um, and they both happened to play each other. The problem with Seattle is they had a bunch of or a makeshift backfield, and against the Packers, uh, you need to be able to run the football. They're one of the worst rushing defense in the NFL, and obviously they weren't able to do that. I think we mentioned that Russell Wilson (laughs) might lead the team in rushing, and I think he ended up doing that. So that's just the kind of spot the Packers and the Seahawks were in. It's just two not-so-good teams, nothing special teams, just playing each other. And one team had to win, and you knew it was going to be a close game because both of these teams have played close games and and won close games the whole season. Yeah, uh, and like you were saying, uh, the Seahawks had one of the best run offenses in the NFL until obviously they lost just about every one of their three, running backs. Yeah, their top three running backs. Yeah, they were playing <laughs> with their fourth and fifth or their fourth string running back and a guy who was retired who they brought back to play who didn't do a single thing. He had maybe like his longest run was like seven yards, maybe 10 yards, maybe. Uh, so that was what we were saying. You know, I think they're going to be exposed next week against the 49ers. The 49ers are the real deal. Uh, Richard Sherman's having a great season. Uh, they got Tart back. Uh, I was kind of curious about how D. Ford and Quan Alexander were going to play after being out for so long. D. Ford played great. Um, Quan Alexander once again, or played decently as well. 
Nick Bosa had a great game. They just I wasn't sure as such a young team if they were going to be able to handle the pressure of being a, a uh, top seed. And they did come and out a bit sloppy. Or Jimmy G came out they, a bit sloppy. Yeah. I think they came out a little uh, – they were talking about that before the game too. They were very uh, calm and very like uh, nonchalant about the game. And while maybe like a veteran team, you would think, okay, good. They're focused and they know what they have to do. The 49ers, I think, were just a little overconfident and cocky. And they got smacked in the face a little bit in the beginning of the game. But once they settled in and uh, adjusted, then they ended up playing as they did all season. Yeah, that uh, that 49ers defense is really special because they could bring the pass rush without sending extra men. Um, and that was huge all day. You saw that happen. I mean, Kirk Cousins was on his back like all game. And they stopped the run game. So the Vikings offense was basically nothing. Um, and they couldn't stop. Or the Vikings defense couldn't stop the 49ers run game. I thought they were going to play a little better than that. But um, that 49ers run game is really good. And George Kittle is obviously really good. Yep. And I think that's going to be a huge problem for the Packers because they I don't think they have an answer for the 49ers run game. Unless it's wet and rainy in Candlestick Park, I think they're going to be able to run all over Green Bay. And that's right. not even that bold of a statement because the Packers run defense has been that bad. And it already happened this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and plus, George Kittle, you can't really just say, all right, once if he's in and he's in uh, – if he's out a little bit, it's going to be a definite run. I mean, a uh, pass because yeah, he's, he's a, good a blocker. He's just as good of a, he was a run blocker first that then became a, a uh, such a passing threat. So, like you said, I, th- I don't know if they're really going to be able to establish much. The uh, Packers, they were, their offensive line was having a hard time with just Jadavion Clowney. Now you have Nick Bo, you have like three or four guys on their defensive line that are all pros arguably and all argue or all gonna i think we're voted for the pro bowl right uh 49ers defensive line all of them i don't know well nick bosa just won the defensive or the uh, rookie defensive player of the year and just the straight up rookie of the year he was such a such an injection of i don't even know like uh personality and energy into that team and they really are just look like a completely different team from last year. Last year they looked like a bunch of scrubs, and this year they're competing, or potentially now the Super Bowl favorites. Now that the Ravens had a, or a complete choke job, do a little <laughs> transition over to the AFC side. Oh my God! You know, <laughs> la- there was a lot of questions look going into this Titans game last week. You could go back and listen. I'll admit it. I'll step into the spotlight. Step into the sun and expose oh, yeah, myself. Right. Your Super Bowl pick is I, dead. <laughs> I said last week when we came on, I remember vividly because I remember watching the game thinking to myself, I had the balls to come on to the podcast last week and say, could we not even talk about this game? Because I don't think it's going to be very close. And it wasn't very close, but with the complete opposite, <laughs> complete opposite direction. Baltimore came out flat. They looked sloppy. They were, I think, very overconfident, um, and they looked like idiots. They were they're the biggest, the loudest mouth team in the NFL this year. Backed it up most of the year, and then they couldn't stop run, a run. No, you know the run game. That they, Derrick Henry, I think, had 196 yards or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and had a running touchdown, a passing touchdown, uh, and. 
I mean, there was just no stopping him. Once he started getting going, then everything else opened up for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill had a touchdown from a, uh, a read option with Derrick Henry because everyone has to commit to him. Uh, then the the, the the passing touchdown was shocking as well. But <laughs> Ravens seat. got embarrassed, and uh, all those Baltimore, all those other Baltimore fans out there saying, "Oh well, Lamar Jackson had a great game." He really didn't. He, I think he had like a, over a hundred rushing yards and like three hundred passing yards. Yeah, that he doesn't threw mean the ball anything. Fifty nine times. That yeah. that just tells you enough about how that game went for them. Um, the, they have to be able to run the football all – I mean, they can't really fall behind like they did against Tennessee because yes. their offense has been so good all season because of their dynamic run offense. And then Lamar has been hitting people like Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews on play-action passes, or even sometimes just in the pocket. But you never know when they're going to run because they'll just run at a normal shotgun stance. So as a defense, you have to be on edge. Now when you're up double digits – Late in the second half, it doesn't matter. Or in the second you half, you gamble a little. You kind of know that they're going to be in passing situations most of the game. So that's what kind of killed the Ravens. Is the Titans were able to expect what's coming. Um, that was that was tough. They really threw the Ravens' game plan out their window. And you know what? The Ravens did play well. It's just too many. They mistakes. didn't make the big plays. They did turn well, over too much, and it's tough when you lose a turnover battle to win any football game, never mind a divisional round. And then they got in so many fourth and short situations and didn't cash in on those, which we've seen them do all year, been one of the best fourth down teams all season right. long, and that cost them the football game ultimately. And his throwing was, or uh, Lamar Jackson's throwing was a little erratic, which I was worried about going into the game because last year uh, you saw him against, he was at home against uh, Los Angeles, the LA Chargers, and going into this year you weren't sure how he was going to be because of that. Ends up having an MVP season. Uh, and then goes and lays an egg in the first round of the, or their first round of the playoffs, the divisional round. Um, but you can't put all of the blame on him. First scoring drive, Tennessee got uh, overthrown ball or not overthrown. It was thrown a little high. Lamar or uh, Mark Andrews pops it up to the uh, Tennessee safety who's sitting right there, runs it all the way back to the 50. Lamar, they call him for a ghost uh, horse collar call. <laughs> Move the ball up another 15 yards. So now they're on the 35. And then after that, there was a like a third and short. Uh, Ryan Tannehill dancing down the sideline. Uh, Ravens linebacker pushes him out of bounds. Call a late hit. Now they're up to the 10 yard line or whatever it was, the five yard line. They score there. I think the like maybe a drive or two later. It was fourth and one. Uh, offensive line got no push, and they were so good all season. Got zero push. Then all of a sudden it started falling apart for him. So, but you have to give it to Mike Vrabel. He's a very good coach. Uh, played great against the Patriots, so you knew they were going to ball out against the Ravens, and that's what they did. So I think we're going to be in for a good game against Kansas City. Now that's that game. That game was a roller, roller coaster. coaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kansas City, I thought, was dead to rights going into that game. I thought they – I I didn't even know the game started. And by the time I turned it on, it was 14 nothing, <laughs> And then it was 21 nothing, And then it was 28 nothing, 24-24. Or 24 nothing, yeah. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this is over. And then Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden wakes up. 
happened. Then when they were losing, when they were losing by like two touchdowns, they were favored to win because of how hot they got. Yeah, and Kansas City's the perfect team to make that kind of a comeback with that passing offense. So you kind of knew it was going to come. Now, I did not know that they were going to end up leading at halftime, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Bill O'Brien has been known to get conservative in the second half. He didn't even have that opportunity this game because Kansas City just went on a roll in the second quarter. Um, As we suspected, Houston was a bit of a fraud team, and they got a lot of lucky bounces to start off the game, whether it's a block punt, a fumble on a kickoff or a punt, and you name it, they got all the bounces. Two drop passes from Kelsey, um, a pass from one of their receivers was dropped. Denard Robinson dropped. He dropped just about everything. So they got all the bounces their way, and they still lost by 20-something points and got a 50-burger on them. So that tells you where Kansas City's at and how good that offense is. One thing that surprised me and what we didn't know when we were recording and we still don't know this week is Chris Jones was a last-minute inactive. uh, That's a big loss last week for them. Obviously, they were able to get by. Um but he's a great interior defensive tackle, and you're playing one of the best run teams in football in Tennessee, or at least the best run team over the past like five, six weeks, and the best running back and the rush leader of the NFL in Derrick Henry, and you're going to be without one of your best run stoppers. That's a that's going to be a tough spot and a, a matchup to look out for. And projecting onto the future, I think um, Kansas City's really going to have to get ahead against Tennessee in this game Sunday. I don't think they can afford to go down, never mind 24 nothing. I don't think they can really afford to go down 14 nothing because Tennessee is going to be able to run that football effectively. If you can go up double digits and force Tennessee to start being more passing situations, I think that's a much better chance for Kansas City to win the game Sunday. And right. it won't exploit their defensive injuries up front. Uh I agree. Uh, I was going to say that, like we talked about last week with the Ravens and what did happen to the Ravens, Kansas City's another team where they need to be out in front because you've seen them a couple times this year when they're chasing, they just don't look as good. They, I feel like they get a little sloppy. Um, I don't know what it is with these teams that just put up a lot of points. When they're down points, they <laughs> can't seem to put them up. Uh, but, yeah, it, the the Titans are going to be able to have six-minute uh, drives every time they touch the ball just because it's a running offense and then when they're ahead they're able to keep running the clock the uh, play clock down to one second it isn't like during the the rest of the game where you know there's a little sense of urgency get up and try like if it's like a level game but if they're ahead you saw it against the patriots they could really just whittle that clock down to the bare bones and take the game down to the least amount of time they have to actually be playing football uh, during these tight games. So, but uh, in the words of Dan Jahara, shout out to him, uh, he said that it's all about teams that get hot uh, during the playoffs or uh, during the end of the season. Uh, He cited the New York Giants, the two Super Bowls they won. They went into the playoffs and you were thinking, why the hell are they there? End up winning Uh, the Super Bowl. Green Bay Packers, Ravens. This is exactly the Ravens, and all of a sudden Joe Flacco had like a uh, – he blacked out for like a month and ended up winning a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I, I could see a similar thing with the Tennessee Titans. There's, there was no one, including myself, that thought that they were going to even make it past the Patriots, and now we're – I would 
not be surprised if they ended up making it to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, ultimately, I cannot pick them if I'm going to have to pick a team in this game against uh, Kansas City. Kansas City at home, that stadium is literally there's a 12th man. They have the most electric atmosphere, maybe a top two in the NFL behind the Seahawks. Um, but, so I think it's going to be hard if the Titans are, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill has never been in this spot in, the a- in an AFC championship game. No one really on the Titans has had any real playoff hopes. And now this year they're going to. Except for Vrabel. <laughs> well, except Vrabel has a couple of rings. Uh, but it's hard to get your team, I feel like, motivated for it, you know. The Chiefs are hungry. They were came just short last year. They were a team that people thought going into the playoffs could win the Super Bowl. Uh, come up just short against the Patriots with a uh, controversial roughing the passer call. Uh, so there's I'd be hard pressed to pick against the Chiefs on uh, was it Sunday? Yeah, and if you are going Kansas City, I think you really have to like them in the first half because if that game's close towards the end, it's going to be tough to stop Derrick Henry late in that football game. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be cold in Kansas City, probably going to be very windy as it usually is in Arrowhead. So they've got to get ahead early and, and just keep pushing to, to stay ahead. Now Tannehill can certainly play. He hasn't had been asked to do much this postseason, but when he has, I mean, he's orchestrated a comeback against this Kansas City team. So he, he could keep him in the game himself. I just think if they're falling behind, um, Andy Reid's going to keep pressing the pressing the gas, and Pat Mahomes is going to still throw it. I don't think they have anyone to really cover Kelsey, who's going to be a big-time tight end target, and that's going to be something where, sure, they were able to cover those tight ends for Baltimore, who kind of run a completely unique offense, but they didn't have to worry about it that much against Houston, didn't have to worry about it that much against the Patriots. Uh so they haven't had that kind of tight end issue. And I think Kelsey has a big game here, and I think Kansas City will ultimately win this game. Right. Uh, the one key thing, though, that I'm going to say to focus on in this game is uh, is Chris Jones. If Chris yeah, Jones I isn't playing, really I, I'm him. really stopping. He's a big boy. Uh, stopping that run against Derrick Henry, who is basically a defensive lineman who runs the ball, will be interesting to watch. Because that's the whole that's their bread and butter Kansas or uh, Tennessee running the ball. So if they're able to run it, and you don't force Ryan Tannehill to make any throws, not that AJ Brown is really a slouch, but if you force him to, uh, if you don't have to force him to make throws and they're running the ball, I would say it's going to be an interesting game. But like we've been saying, I think it's going to be uh, pretty hard to find anyone out there who's going to bet against Kansas City at home. Hungry to well, make the I, Super Bowl finally. I think there will be a, a decent amount of people betting against them because well, the way the, Tennessee's right. played the last two games. Yeah, but, and also the mm-hmm. odds, I'm sure, are going to look great. Or the uh, the spread on that game is going to look pretty tasty as well. Uh, the other side of the bracket, I'm going to pick the uh, 49ers. As me and Matt have been saying week after week, uh, Packers, fraud team. Uh, you saw it against the, you know, Seahawks struggled against the Eagles. Uh, then the the, the uh, Packers struggled against the Seahawks, who struggled against the Eagles. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I am not very confident because I think that uh, 
if the games in the last like the last game of the season went differently or whatever like the second to last game of the season it was and the 49ers ended up being in the uh, wild card round in the Seahawks oh, the, the 49ers in uh oh okay. they swapped yeah oh if uh the Seahawks ended up snatching up that buy and the the uh, 49ers ended up having to go to Philadelphia i think the 49ers would have disemboweled <laughs> Philadelphia, especially if they since they lost uh, Carson Wentz in the like the first play or first quarter, I think that the 49ers would have beaten this this uh, Eagles by 35 points, and then would have ripped apart uh, the Packers last week. Yeah, or even if the Packers just lost against Detroit and ended up losing that bye right to, the, to New Orleans, I think New Orleans would be here right now. Yeah, so I think it's gonna be. Uh, I think this is going to be like a 35 to 17 game in favor of the the 49ers. There I think they have they actually have a running game and you're going to force the uh the uh Packers defensive line and linebackers to either to make some try and make some plays and if you can't or if they can then they're just going to open it up with uh George Kittle who I think is going to have a big game. Uh, then they have those speedy wide receivers who have been sneakily good all year. So I think 49ers, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I th- I, that's pretty safe. It's bet, pretty safe. Yeah, pretty safe gamble <laughs> I, there by me. I just don't think uh, San Fran or Green Bay is going to be able to stop San Fran's run game. I mean, things happen in football, so there's certainly a possibility. I think if Green Bay were to win this game, they're going to have to create some term- turnovers. Um, probably get to Jimmy G and with their pass rush and the two Smiths, uh, Zedarius and Preston, and probably force Jimmy G to look like he did in the beginning of the Vikings game, kind of nervous, um, not that accurate, and maybe get a pick or two early on in the game and get ahead. That's going to be their best shot. Uh, They're going to need turnovers. If they don't win the turnover battle, I don't see them even coming close to winning this game. Uh, I just really don't think they could stop the run game of San Francisco. No, because then they have. And I don't think they can stop George Kittle either. He kind of, George Kittle and this San Francisco team kind of reminds me of the Patriots teams with Gronk, where you can't cover Kittle with just one guy, and if you do, you're going to get burned. Um, If you cover him with two, then you got in San Francisco's case, you have Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Debo Samuel have been great, and honestly, Kyle Juszczyk out of the backfield as a fullback, he gets a lot of receptions and big plays, so. This offense is chock full of guys. Their offensive line's great. I just can't see them stop, stopping the run, though. I, Whoever's running, Coleman, Mostert, you name it, I can't see them stopping it. I was going to say, that's the the one difference, the big difference between San Francisco and Seattle is where Seattle didn't have one, two, three, or four, or whatever it was with their running backs. The, the 49ers have one, two, three, and uh, four. Or I think, yeah. right? They have uh, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, uh, Matt Breida, and then I think they have some other guy that well, comes in. You checks their fullback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, need they, him. they have no problem running the ball. So uh, I think definitely this game's finally Matt's going to have his uh, glory watching the, the fraud Packers get exposed. I hope so. As the frauds or it could they be, are. Or if not, it could be a State Farm Bowl. State Farm Bowl. Yeah. Get out of here. That would be ridiculous. But, I mean, based on how we've been doing this year <laughs> with our with our It'll playoff probably be Tennessee Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, we started out with uh, saying it was going to be the 49ers uh, 
49ers and the Saints and the uh, the Ravens and Chiefs in the in the championship game. So we're 50 percent not not counting all of the disasters along the way. So uh, I would say I'd give our Super Bowl predictions, but we are going to do a Super Bowl episode a couple weeks from now uh, for when that game comes up. We're going to do some props. Yeah, there will uh, be a lot of props. Get a, get a couple guests in here. It's going to be a, a big spectacle to finally put a bow on this uh, football season before we get yeah. into March Madness a month later. So yeah. Hopefully we'll dap you up with some money like OBJ. Yeah, who, the fans? No, we'll dap everyone else up with money, just some good prop bets and stuff for the Super Bowl. If you could identify where the Basement Banter recording studio is <laughs> during the Super Bowl, we'll dap you up with some cash. Uh, but thanks, Matt, for coming on again. Uh, thank you all for listening. This is Basement Banter. And until within the next couple of days, have a good one.